We're back in uh, the book of Joshua, chapter 9, and uh, there was uh, a lot of material there, so I'm spreading chapter 9 out over the next two weeks, uh, today and and next Sunday. Uh, So um, this is after our three or four uh, week side trip with the Holy Spirit, Uh, and of course Linus' blanket last week. Uh, I hope you were as encouraged as I was uh, the past month or so as we were reminded who is the Holy Spirit and the power that's available to us through and, and by the Holy Spirit. You know, not, not Superman or Wonder Woman or, or Skywalker kind of power, but power even greater uh, that's uh, available to us. Power to live lives uh, pleasing to God. Uh, power to sacrificially love others uh, and power to forgive uh, others and receive forgiveness from others. And of course, the power to uh, help Christ expand His kingdom uh, by pointing people to faith in Christ, showing people the way to a new life and a new hope. And, that, and that's real power, isn't it? Amen? That's real power. So, um, and we, we talked about calling on that power every day as we've been commanded. It's not a suggestion. We've been commanded to be filled with the Spirit. So, uh, one... One could argue that chapter 9 of Joshua is about power. I mean, the word power isn't used, but the theme of the chapter involves uh, power in a couple of ways. Uh, one is, is the power of deception and, and the need for God's wisdom, and also the power of uh, God to redeem. So let, let's pray before I, I read. Again, Father, we uh, thank you for your presence, Lord. We thank you for your word as we talked about in uh, Sunday School, Lord, is how you uh, revealed yourself to us, Lord, how you revealed yourself, your Son, to us. And uh, Jesus uh, speaks to us through your Word, Lord. And it's uh, our desire to uh, honor, glorify, and obey Him this morning, Lord. And uh, we thank you, Lord, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Joshua chapter 9, starting with verse 1. So I'm not going to read the whole passage first. I'm going to go little by little. Uh, Verse 1, As soon as all the kings who were beyond the Jordan in the hill country and in the lowland all along the coast of the great sea toward Lebanon, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites heard of this, they gathered together as one to fight against Joshua and Israel. So, Clearly, uh, word has gotten out uh, to the inhabitants of Canaan of what Yahweh, the God of the Israelites, has accomplished so far in uh, gaining a foothold in the land. And and they're frightened. And they had a good reason to be frightened. You know, except for the setback at Ai, uh, Joshua has led a successful campaign into the land, and uh, two pagan cities have been completely destroyed, wiped out. And uh, news like that travels fast. And uh, this, isn't, this isn't a huge area, uh, geographically uh, speaking. So news travels fast, and the kings in the area who you know, normally fought against uh, one another uh, most of the time, they decided that they needed to form a coalition. Uh, to, they needed to combine their forces in order to defeat uh, Joshua and the Israelites. And that's what verses uh, 1 and 2 are telling us. When they heard this, when they heard of the defeats at Jericho and Ai, they gathered together as one uh, to fight against Joshua and Israel. 
Well, all except the Gibeonites. They had a different plan. Uh, the Gibeonites, using the same information as, as everybody else, as all the other Canaanite people, well, with that same information, they're convinced uh, that fighting the Israelites in battle is just a lost cause. It's, it's a recipe for disaster. So they decide upon another course of action, uh, cunning, or as I like to call it, uh, creative diplomacy. Uh, verse 3, But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they, on their part, acted with cunning. Now, this word here, uh, cunning, has the idea of, of prudence or, or proceeding with wise caution. It, it's not really, it's deceit, but it's not deceit. Uh, it, it's more of a, a prudence. So they, they acted with cunning and went and made ready provisions and took worn-out sacks for their donkeys and wineskins, uh, worn-out and torn and mended, with worn-out patched sandals on their feet and worn-out clothes. And all their provisions were dry and crumbly. Crumbly, your, your uh, Bible might say moldy. And as they went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, we have come from a distant country, so now make a covenant with us. So I don't know if this is uh, cowardly or brilliant, on behalf of the Gibeonites, uh, their plan to deceive the Israelites. I mean, they pretend to be from a distant land, uh, seeking to make a covenant. And, and they even have the worn-out sacks, the worn-out wineskins, the clothes, the moldy bread to prove it. But the fact is, they only live about 25 miles away. But at least, at this point, Joshua and his leaders are suspicious, and they question the travelers. Well, perhaps you live among us. Then how can we make a covenant with you? So not only is Joshua suspicious, of course he remembers that God had forbidden that the, the people uh, from making covenants with people in the land. It was strictly forbidden. So he's questioning them. But once again, the, the Gibeonite leaders respond very shrewdly. They said to Joshua, they didn't answer. They just said, we are your servants. Uh, but Joshua still questions them. Who are you and where did you come from? And then Joshua was given a long uh, but well thought out, this was planned uh, well in advance, uh, reply. Verse 9, they said to him, From a very distant country your servants have come, because of the name of the Lord your God. For we have heard a report of him and all that he did in Egypt. And all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond or east of the Jordan. Now they're on the west side of the Jordan. To Sihon, the king of Heshbon. To Og, king of Bashan, who lived in Ashtaroth. So our elders and all the inhabitants of our country said to us, take provisions in your hand for the journey. You know, that long journey of 25 miles. And go to meet them and say to them, we are your servants. Come now, make a covenant with us. So that's why they're there. And so they say, look, here is our bread. It was still warm when we took it from our houses as our food for the journey on the day we set out to come to you. But now behold, it's dry, it's crumbly, it's moldy. These wineskins were new when we filled them. And behold, they have burst. 
And these garments and sandals of ours, they're worn out from the very long journey. So, you know, the Gibeonites point out all their worn out clothes again. Uh, they mention all the things that God had done uh, uh, on the other side of the Jordan River. So this is old news. But what they fail to uh, mention deliberately in their shrewdness is they don't, they don't mention the most recent victories at Jericho and Ai because that would betray the fact that they're from far away. I mean, they wouldn't have heard of this uh, latest or most recent news if they were from far away and they were, and they, and they were traveling. So you can see what they're doing here. Uh, the Gibeonites, again, they only live 25 miles away from where the Israelites are camped, camp, but Joshua doesn't know this at this point. And it seems, it seems odd, but it seems like the Gibeonites are also aware of God's command for the Israelites not to make a covenant with the people of the land from Deuteronomy chapter 7. And they also seem to be aware that God had granted permission for the Israelites to make covenants with people outside of the land. It's like they know this. It's like um, the Israelites weren't the only one with spies in the land uh, gathering intelligence about their enemies. And then you have to notice how the Gibeonites appeal to the Israelites by calling themselves servants and, and lifting up the name of the Lord. Your servants have come, they say, because of the name of the Lord your God. For we have heard a report of him and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did. Now, if that sounds familiar to you, um, that's basically what Rahab said, acknowledging uh, that the Lord was their God. And it's important here because the, the word Lord there is the covenant name of the Lord. So it, it's almost, um, commentators uh, disagree about this, but it's almost as if they're recognizing uh, the Israelite God as their God, just as Rahab did. So all this leads to the turning point in the chapter, verse uh, 14. What will uh, Joshua and his leaders do you know, will they fall for this, this ruse? Uh, will they question them some more? And then uh, verse 14 is the answer. So the men took some of their provisions. You know, Joshua and his men took some of their provisions to investigate. They're checking it out, but did not ask counsel from the Lord. They did not ask counsel from the Lord. So it's at, at this point that Joshua and the elders... Uh, of the people make a crucial mistake. They fail to seek the wisdom of God. And they fail to pray. Instead, they rely on their own understanding. Uh, so the, their problem wasn't lack of common sense. You know, they did uh, what they should have done. So clearly, uh, there were parts of the explanation that, uh, the, the, of the Gibeonites that raised red flags uh, for the elders. Uh, some of the things just didn't seem to add up. And they even suspect that the Gibeonites uh, actually uh, uh, were from close by rather than from a distance. And Joshua even steps in to evaluate the evidence that the representatives offered. Yet they failed to do that one crucial thing they fail to ask counsel from the Lord. So let's, let's stop here for a minute. I mean, don't we often fit, uh, fall into that same trap? We don't pray. 
we don't seek counsel from the Lord. And there are many reasons uh, that we, we might fail to seek guidance from the Lord. Now one is, that, you know, perhaps we don't feel that prayer is all that effective. I mean, it allegedly didn't work the last time I prayed. So why bother this time? Or the, the answer wasn't exactly what I wanted. So if I'm going to pray and it's, it's not the answer that I wanted, I'm not going to pray this time. Or, I don't know if God really listens to me. How many of you ever thought that or said that? I know I have. I don't know if God really listens to me. I've been in that space before. Or, there doesn't seem to be enough time. Uh, I mean, w when you think about that, that's, that's pretty silly. You know, not enough time to pray or, or too busy to pray and, and uh, too busy to stop whatever you're doing and, and ask for God's help. Uh, so I, I, want, I wanted to do a test here. Uh, Dave, do you have your phone handy? Do you have a timer? Okay, so I'm going to, I'm so busy, but I'm going to take time to pray. You ready? Okay. Oh God, I'm sorry. I'm in such a hurry. I just need some wisdom right now. Show me what you would have me do. Please make it clear to me. Help me, please. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Stop. 14 seconds. 14 seconds to ask God for wisdom, to ask God to help you out. Now do you have uh, not enough time? Now are you too busy? That's all it took. And, and I'm, I'm guilty of this. My wife is constantly saying, did you pray? Did you pray? I don't want to bother. I'm too busy or whatever. So 14 seconds. If you said it faster, you could do it in nine. <laughs> Another reason uh, we might fail to seek guidance from, from the Lord was not, we're not sure what to pray about. Sometimes we're so frazzled and so confused, we don't even know what to pray about. Well, take that to the Lord. You know, stop, take a deep breath, Tell, tell God you're not sure what to pray about. And, and, and ask for clarity. And it'll come. It'll come. Just, just trust. And uh, another thing I'm guilty of, or you just forget. You just forget to pray. I mentioned a few weeks ago, um, I, I'm always losing my wallet or my keys. And I'll be stomping around the house. And my wife, did you pray? No. Well, come over here and we'll pray. And... Um, Usually, you know, it's not like God leads me right to the keys. It's usually I can settle down, take time to think, retrace my steps, and then I find the keys, the wallet, or whatever it is. It's usually on top of the refrigerator. But if we make, if we make this a habit, if it becomes a part of your life, if it's your default, you know, first step, if you default to praying, then, then you won't forget. I know, easy to say. But then sometimes, if we're honest, sometimes we don't pray for wisdom simply because, well, we're arrogant. We don't think we need God's wisdom. We don't think we need God's help. You know, I, I've got this, we say, or think. And Joshua had evaluated the evidence. He, he'd interviewed the, the messengers uh, and made a decision. On, on the surface, it looked great. 
He did everything one could reasonably expect uh, him to do. Uh, maybe in his mind, you know, in Joshua's mind, uh, he was thinking these foreigners would make a great ally uh, for the conquest. Yet, you know, to arrogantly make a decision like this, you know, this is a big, big time decision, without seeking God's uh, counsel was clearly a mistake. Again, how about you? I know, again, I, I've stubbornly, arrogantly thought, I don't need to ask God. This is a no-brainer. You know, I can handle this. You know, God, does, God doesn't want this trivial stuff. However, you know, seeking counsel from the Lord is clearly emphasized in the Bible over and over and over again. God wants us to come to Him. He wants us to come to Him as we make decisions. And this is particularly true as we too have an enemy in the devil. He's prowling about. He's looking to deceive us so that he might devour us. Devour us. If you uh, remember earlier this year, the uh, other elders and I uh, presented a vision for um, Panton uh, Church in 2019, you know, that we would strive to be a praying church. Well, you know, 2019 is going to end in three weeks, so that's over with. We don't have to pray anymore, right? Wrong. We're going to continue to be a praying church as long as this is a church. Amen? Amen. It's not going to end on December 31st. We must be a people on our knees seeking the Lord's wisdom, seeking the heart of God. And there. There are passages, passages all throughout God's Word that teach us this. I know them. You know them. I'm going to mention a few. You know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Joshua was leaning on his own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make, your, make straight your paths. We want straight paths. That's Proverbs 3, 5. Uh, continue steadfastly in prayer. Colossians 4, 2. Pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 17. James 1, 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, that's me, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and wisdom will be given to him. So there it is, right, right from Scripture. And how many times you know, are we individually or as a church, we're faced with a decision and we just need some wisdom. We're just, we're just not sure what to do. Scripture encourages us, do not lean on your own understanding. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Sometimes it just takes a little bit of humility to ask God for wisdom, for help. So Joshua and the leaders, they, they don't seek the Lord. And they end up making a, a forbidden covenant with the Canaanite, with a Canaanite people, the Gibeonites. Verse 15. And Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore to them. So they ratified it by an oath, this covenant. And at the end of three days after they had made a covenant with them, the Gibeonites, they heard that they were their neighbors and that they lived among them. And the people of Israel set out and reached their um, cities. They went to their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon, 
Shafira, Beroth, and Kiriath Jerim. I think I didn't butcher those. Uh, verse 18, but the people of Israel did not attack them because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. Then all the congregation murmured, grumbled against the leaders. So here the people find out what's going on, and they're not happy about it. But to the credit of the leaders, they don't give in to the pressure from the people. Because at this point, the leaders realize they made a mistake. They realize that they weren't from a far uh, land. They were, they were among us. They got duped into making a covenant with a group of people that should have been subject to the ban that we've talked about a, a month or so ago. The ban was the wiping out of the, the pagan uh, people, just like the uh, people of Jericho and Ai. So now what? Now what do they do? Well, instead of making another mistake to cover up the first, they decided best to honor the covenant that they made. Well, why? Well, because they had declared an oath in the name of the Lord, and now God's honor and glory was at stake. That's why they um, decided to honor the covenant they had made. So instead of making two major mistakes, they tried to rectify the first mistake by doing the right thing. And uh, this is where God redeems the whole situation. And this is where I thought, that's a whole other sermon. So that's next week, when God redeems this whole situation. So, so we've seen the power of deception. Uh, not just deception of the Gibeonites, but the, the power of self-deception uh, of Joshua and the leaders into thinking that they could do this without God's help. And ironically, this wasn't a new lesson either. Now think about this. If Joshua and the leaders had consulted the Lord, prayed, before they attacked Ai, remember that? Before they attacked Ai, then God would have revealed to them that sin was in the camp and they would have dealt with it. Right? End of story. Then they would have been victorious at Ai the first time. Right? You follow me? However, since the Israelites were defeated that first time, news spread around the region that they, well, maybe they weren't totally invincible. Maybe they can be defeated. And which is probably why a coalition of enemies was formed, you know, as talked about at the beginning of the chapter. But not only that, in chapter 10, we'll see that other kings got involved when they found out that the, the Gibeonites had defected from the coalition. And then th this, this Canaanite coalition seeks to attack the Gibeonites, not the Israelites. And, and what are the Israelites forced to do? Well, because they made a covenant with the the Gibeonites, they have to uh, go to the, the aid of the Gibeonites and help them out. All because they relied on their own wisdom and di didn't seek the wisdom of their God, our God. So I, I, don't, I don't think I need to spell out the application here anymore. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm not as smart as God. I mean, that's obvious. Uh, sometimes I'm, I'm not even as, as smart as the uh, proverbial the doornail. Um, or, or is it doorknob? See what I mean? 
So still, you know, while, while I was going through this passage and, and thinking about, you know, how stupid uh, Joshua and the people are, and, you know, puffing myself up, I'm sorry, but I couldn't help but think of that Saturday Night Live skit, The, um, the Land Shark. Are you familiar with that? So there's always someone alone. This is a little skit. There's always someone alone in an apartment, and, and there's a knock at the door. And the woman goes, who is it? Plumber. Well, I didn't call a plumber. Who is this? And then the, uh, the Jaws music starts. Da-dum, da-dum. Electrician. Well, I didn't call an electrician either. You're not that nasty land shark, are you? Uh, actually, I'm only a dolphin. Oh, well, in that case, and then she goes over and opens the door, and, and this big, huge, you know, plastic shark comes and just swallows her and pulls her out. So, I mean, it's funny. Um, so obviously that, that skits a mockery of, of horror shows and, and, and of gullible people getting duped and all that. So I'm, I'm thinking of this, you know, while I'm uh, thinking about how stupid Joshua and the people are. But again, we have to admit, sometimes we can be that gullible. We can be that gullible. Sometimes we dupe ourselves, we deceive ourselves into thinking that we don't need God's help. We think prayer doesn't work. We think we don't have enough time or we're too busy, uh, we're not sure what to pray about, uh, or you forget. And, and um, Proverbs, uh, back to Scripture, Proverbs has some pretty strong words for those who don't seek the Lord for wisdom. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six: whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom. How many times do we act like fools? But Scripture also has some pretty strong words for those who would seek the wisdom of the Lord. Matthew 7, 7. This is Jesus Himself. He says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Praise God for that. So, just, just as we can uh, dupe or deceive ourselves into thinking that we don't need the Lord's wisdom, there are those who have deceived themselves into thinking that they don't need the Lord's salvation. There are all sorts of voices at the door, you know, telling you that you're young. You know, you can do all this religious stuff later. You don't have to worry about that right now. Or the voice at the door is saying, you're a good person. You don't need to be saved. And this is the one I used to hear at work all the time. You've never robbed a bank or killed anyone. Or the person has told me, I've never robbed a bank or killed anyone. And here's another voice at the door. There are many paths to Jesus. You just need to find the path that's right for you. That's a, another voice at the door. 
But these voices are lies straight from the mouth of the devil. But there's another voice at the door that you do need to listen to. If you're out there and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, Jesus said in the Gospel of John, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief, the devil, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He laid down his life on the cross so that you might have life and have it abundantly. This morning, I would ask you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, trust Him. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to help you turn from your sin. Ask Jesus to give you life. And do it now. Do it now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we can be a stubborn people. And just like the Israelites, um, we can be stiff-necked. And we, we don't know or we don't want to turn to You asking for that wisdom, Lord. And Lord, I, I pray that You help us with that, Lord. Help, us, help, us, help that to be the default uh, reaction, Lord, when we're faced with a decision to be made. Help that to be the default that we would turn to You asking for wisdom, Lord. Lord, You love us and You seek to do us good. Lord, You want to hear from us. Lord, help us to trust You in that. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.